0: coloring pages but we're embarking on a series of the great stories of the Bible because they've been around a long time for a reason Right, The stories that stick around long, they, they, that's a reason they stick around, because there's something in them that's powerful, there's something in them that's still good, right? Like any great work of art, whether it be a song or a painting or whatever, only the, the best of the best really stick around, right? There's a reason that they stick around, and most often it's because there's something good about it, there's something powerful about it, that, that there's something that speaks to us about it, right? And sometimes there are other stories that they just don't stick with us, Right? How many of you know what I'm talking about? Did you ever have a favorite movie maybe when you were younger, anybody ever done this? And you go back and try to watch it, and it's just not the same. anybody ever had that happen? Or I find this old television series, I'm like, oh, that series was so awesome. That series was a bomb. I show it to my kids, and they're like, snooze. They're like, this thing is so dusty. Dad, yeah, I don't know what you're doing. So yeah, the danger is that I'm going to pull out some stories, and they're going to be like, oh, Pastor, these are some dusty old stories. I mean, they're kind of weird, full of weird. Well, old stories are weird, you know? How many of you know that the older things get, the more weird they become? Can I get it, Amen? <laughs> <win>? yeah, yeah. <laughs> Even the oldest people <laughs> raise their hands. when you things get. Weird as you get older, so we're going to dust off this story a little bit. We're going to take a look at it, and I am quite convinced that you're going to hear this story in a way you've never heard it before, wherever you are coming into it at. So I know Samson and Delilah is is a story that a lot of people at least have heard about the name, right? We've heard the name Samson. What comes to your mind when you think of Samson? Strong, right? The strongest man that ever lived, you know? Kind of a guy that looks like Thor or the Hulk or whatever, right? You know, it's amazing how we've just kind of magnified this and elaborated on it in our minds to Chris Sampson, And then, of course, we have Delilah, Right? And Delilah is the one woman that he fell in love with. He actually fell in love with a lot of women, but I'm getting ahead of myself. You know, but she was beautiful. She was intelligent. She was charming. You know, I mean, we kind of know the basics of this story, but I want to dig into it this morning and take a look at what really happened. And I think we're going to find things that surprise us. And I think we're going to find some things that may, in fact, even disturb us a little bit. Uh, This story, to me, is really a story of beauty and the beast. And I chose those words uh, carefully, and I think we're going to take a look at those aspects of it. There's something about these kinds of stories, right, that tend to speak to us as as humans, as humanity. and, And I believe that we're going to find ourselves somewhere in this story this morning. So this is the painting the rendering of Delilah and Samson. Again, just a little different than maybe what we're used to so that we think about it in a new way, in a fresh way. Um, This may very well be close to how Samson and Delilah looked at this time. This story is thousands of years old and is found in what we call the Old Testament, the Hebrew scriptures of the Bible. Well, the one thing we know about Samson is that he's strong, right? He's the strongest man that ever lived. I mean, he's stronger than anyone. His physical strength was world-renowned. I mean, we tend to think of like a professional wrestler or the Hulk or some kind of superhero. I mean, this is who Samson was. He had supernatural power and strength beyond what any human has ever known. But his story begins in kind of a fantastic way as well. His birth was actually announced by an angel. And we know that when that happens in the Bible, someone important is about to be born, right? As is so familiar in many of the stories of the Bible, his mom wasn't able to have children. She wasn't able to conceive. So God comes to a woman that's not able to have her own strength to bring forth a son. And the angel says, guess what? God's going to give you a child. God's going to give you a baby. And this is how you're going to raise him. You're going to raise him to serve the Lord according to this Nazarite vow. Like a Nazarite vow. That's something that was talked about in the Old Testament, in the Hebrew Scriptures, but we don't get a lot of stories about it. It doesn't seem to be something that a lot of people were undertaking. But it was a very specific way of living that Jews could take upon themselves as a way to honor and serve God. It wasn't for everybody, but the angel said, Samson is going to be raised under the Nazarite vow. Well, what does that mean? Well, first of all, he could never get a haircut. You're not going to cut this boy's hair ever, alright? Don't give him anything from the vine, from the grapevine. So No grapes, no raisins, no grape jelly, no grape jam, nothing from the grapevine. In fact, no wine, no alcoholic beverage. He's not going to have any alcoholic beverage, alright? And here's an important thing as well. He's not supposed to touch anything that's dead. So anytime there's a dead body or an animal or whatever, not to touch anything that's dead, alright? And that's the vow he's going to live by that he's going to honor God by. And God said, I'm going to use him to lead my people. And the word lead is also the word judge. And so this story comes from the book of Judges in the Bible. And the judges were people who led Israel before they had a king. As they were trying to become a nation, as they were a tribe of people descended from 12 brothers that were trying to come together and form their own nation, their own identity amidst all the other nations that existed on the earth at that time. And God said, I'm going to work with them in a special way to bring them to to establish them as a nation. So they were led by Judges. But the book of Judges carries this recurring theme throughout it that at that time Israel had no king and people did what was right in their own eyes. It was kind of like the wild west of Jewish history. I mean, this was a time when things didn't go exactly according to plan. And where the leaders were a little rough around the edges. Let me explain what I mean. Samson, while we like to idolize him, was really, really rough around the edges. Here's the first thing we see about Samson's strength. Okay, first of all, he is on his way from his town to the Philistines. Oh, i the got to back up a minute. The Philistines, those are the arch enemies of the Israelites. Those are like the people that they're always at war with. Those are the people that don't want them to exist. And so they're constantly fighting against them, and at this time, they're in control, they're in charge of Israel, and they're ruling over them, these foreign people. So they're the arch enemies, and Samson wants to take a stroll and go wandering over to the enemy side, to the other side, because he wants to find himself a woman from a family that's not his own, from a people that's not his own. And you know how sometimes that goes in our lives, right? You know how sometimes parents aren't too happy when you go outside, who your own people, to find someone to fall in love with. But he said, I'm gonna go because I like the women over there in Philistine, and I'm gonna go find me one over there. So on his way, this lion comes up on the road to attack him. And so the first feat of strength that we see is Samson kills this lion with his bare hands. Now that's pretty strong, right? I mean, we've seen some strong people. I don't know, I can count about two of you that I would trust to be the lion with your bare hands, all right? There's a couple of you in this room, and i would give you a fighting chance. But this would rip the lion apart with his bare hands, went on his way, found this woman that he liked among the Philistines, was getting ready to marry her, and as he was passing back by the same way sometime later, there was the dead body of the lion, No one had touched it, and some bees had gotten inside the carcass of it, and they had made their home there, and what do bees make? They make honey, and there was some honey, and Samson saw, Oh, that honey looks good. I'm going to take some out of the dead lion's body, and I'm going to eat it. Now, what we don't understand is how gross and offensive that would be to the Israelites reading this story. Not only because he touched a dead body, not only because he ate something out of a dead body, but he was a Nazareth. He was not supposed to do that. So already in the first feat of strength, we see Samson breaking his vow to God and not obeying what God had told him to do, right? So then he ends up going to, to begin the process of marrying this woman that he says that he wants, right? So it's an elaborate process back then. It's not like today. You've got to have the parents meet. They've got to have meetings back and forth. They've got to have a few banquets, a few get-togethers. So Samson goes and he participates in that. Now, one of the things they had to do was he had a banquet just for the guys, all right? Just for the dudes. Probably like a stag party, a bachelor party. The groom was supposed to throw this party, you know? So he's there with 30 of these other guys. And Samson decides that he's going to, like, you know, mess around with them a little bit. And he's like, listen, I got a riddle for you. You guys like riddles? And I'm sure that they were like, what are you talking about, Samson? (laughs) You know, this is a party. You're getting married. What's this with the riddles? I'm going to tell you a riddle you can answer me the riddle, here's the deal, we're going to make a bet, all right? If you can answer the riddle, I'll give each one of you, and there was 30 of them, I'll get you each a brand new set of clothes. How's that? And they're like, all right. But if you can't answer the riddle, then you all have to give me a brand new set of clothes, which means I'll have 30 sets of new clothes. Now, why he wanted 30 sets of new clothes, I don't know. But maybe there was something about it that he wanted. The point was, he's challenging them, and he gives them this riddle. He's like, out of the eater, something to eat. Out of the strong, something sweet. And of course, he's talking about the lion he killed, which nobody's going to know about. It's not even like a riddle that you can figure out. And they're all scratching their head, trying to figure out what they can't figure out. So they go to his wife and say, you got to get him to tell us, you got to get him to tell us, or, you know, or we're going to mess you up. And she's like, okay. So she goes and she cries and she pleads and she tries everything she can. And finally, it says that Samson got so sick of it, he finally said, look, here's the riddle. I didn't tell anybody the riddle, but because you're bothering me, my woman, I will tell you the riddle. It's this lion that I killed. Here's the whole deal. So the people come back and they say, oh, Samson, we got the answer for you. And they tell him the answer to the riddle. Samson gets mad. Samson just doesn't get mad. He gets angry. He gets really angry. And what he does is he goes out and he kills 30 people and takes their clothes to give them to pay off the bet. Hmm. Strong man. Took on 30 people by himself, but did it to pay off the bet. And then he leaves in his anger. And he's so angry, and he stews on it for a while, but then his anger calms down. You know, he has his sticker bars or two. You know, his anger calms down. He gets back in his right mind, and he heads back, and he says, okay, I'm coming back. I want to see my wife. And the girl's father says, wait a minute, Samson. Do you remember how you left? You were all mad. You were angry. You killed 30 of our people. You got all the people at your baby but angry. I didn't think you were ever coming back. So I gave your wife to someone else. How do you think Samson felt about that? He got angry. We already know Samson has a little bit of a problem with anger, all right? So Samson gets angry, and he says, you did what? He says, now i got reason to be mad. And so he gets mad, and he starts, and what he does is he gathers up, and this is where the story is like just epic, you know, proportions. It says that he grabbed 300 foxes by their tails, tied them up in pairs of twos, lit their tails on fire, and sent them through the fields of the Philistines. So, another feat of strength, and what he did was he basically burned all their grain their food supply and everything. And he did this because he was mad at them. Well, how many of you know that when you're trying to get somebody back, it doesn't really work? Why does it not work? Because nobody ever says, oh yeah, you got me back, I won't do anything, right? You guys know, it happens all the time in our DNA. Somebody does something to you, you get them back, and then what do they want to do? They want to get you back! So people are like, why did you burn our fields? And they're like, well, it's because of the woman that he married and her dad. And, and they were like, what? So they went, and they killed his wife and her dad. And then Samson gets really mad. And he goes and kills some more people, because violence always begets violence. And then he goes and he hides in a cave that's close to his people. And one of the things I wonder at this point in the story, if I could just pause here for a minute, is that Samson is supposed to be leading Israel. You know, what is he doing with the Philistines? Well, the story says, well, the Philistines were ruling over Israel, and God wanted to set them free. So in a strange way, God was using Samson in the midst of his anger problems and his women problems to somehow get into something with the Philistines so that his people could be set free. But he's not leading his people completely. God's using him, but he's not really in the mindset, I don't believe, of where he should be, but God is still using. So his old people come to him, hiding in the cave, and they're like, Samson, what is going on, dude? Why are you doing this? Because the Philistines are ruling over us. They're the ones with power. They're the ones with the the strength over us right now. And you're really ticking them off, and you're getting them mad, and you're making life difficult for us. Why are you doing this? We're going to turn you over to them. Samson, who was supposed to be their leader, His own people are angry. And they want to turn him over to the enemy. Samson says, that's all right. You can turn me over. Just don't kill me yourselves. They're like, okay, Samson. You know, you're you're our people. We don't want to kill you. We're going to tie you up with some rope. And we're going to hand you over to the Philistines. There was a thousand Philistines that had gathered to take Samson into custody. And most likely to kill him. So, the people of Judah brought Samson all tied up in his ropes to death and they said, here you go, and they pushed him out and they backed up because they didn't want to fight the Philistines, they didn't want to get into it anymore and the Philistines come and approach because they're going to take Samson and some of you know what happens next or you can guess, right? Because it's like, to me Samson is a lot like a Hulk. I don't know if anybody likes a Hulk. but when the spirit of God came up on Samson he just got this strength that was like crazy and he broke all the ropes, right? And he picked up the jawbone of a donkey (laughs) And he killed 1,000, all 1,000 of them with the jawbone of a donkey. You know what else you call a donkey? He ooh, whipped them. Like literally, <laughs> if you know what I'm talking about. Like literally, he took a donkey's jawbone and he, and he just beat them all to death. And I'm thinking, wait a minute. What is wrong with these people? Like the first hundred I can get, the second hundred, the third hundred. But wouldn't you think if you were the last hundred people and you'd already killed 900, you might have backed off a little bit. I would think maybe at some point I would stop coming at this dude. Like I would keep coming in the beginning because there's no way one dude can beat a thousand. But once he gets 5,000 dead or 500, I might be the other 500 looking like, I don't know about this. I don't know if this is really who i want to go up against. But he ended up defeating them all. So now the Philistines, Samson is like enemy number one, right? Like the Philistines are like, okay, we, this Samson, we don't know exactly what he is or who he is, but we've got to get him. We've got to get rid of him. And Samson then leaves, and, and Samson just continues in his same process of mind, which is he doesn't like organize his people to go against the Philistines in any kind of way. He just goes on his own. And the next scene of the story is that he goes back to the Philistines, And he goes into one of their towns, and he goes into a brothel. He goes into a house of prostitutes, and he decides he's going to be with a prostitute. Wow, really great guy, isn't he? is what we want from our leaders, you know, our godly leaders in places they don't belong. And the people of the town heard about it, and they hate Samson, which now you know why. So they surround the house, and they say, we're going to get him in the morning when he comes out. But Samson wakes up in the middle of the night, sees them all sleeping, waiting for him. And what he does is he goes to the city gates because they had locked the city gates. Most cities had walls around them, had gates that they locked to protect them at night. So they were trying to lock it in. And he takes the two gates and the post and he lifts them up with his strength, just breaks them up right out of the ground, climbs up on top of the hill, sets it down, says, there, and then leaves. And you can imagine how they felt the next morning when they woke up. Is Samson there? No. Well, he can't get out because the gates are, uh-oh, where did the gates go? And they look up on the hill, and there they are. I mean, Samson was strong. And the Bible says that the Lord gave him his strength. Well, now we come to the scene that's the famous part of the story. All of that background to set up who Samson is when he meets Delilah. Now, Delilah is someone like nobody else that he's met before. First of all, women in ancient stories are rarely mentioned by their name. That's how little they thought of women. So, for a woman to have her name mentioned in an ancient story means that she was a woman of some kind of power, of some kind of status, of some kind of, you know, something that her name gets mentioned. And she is beautiful. And she is intelligent. And check this before we get all kinds of ideas about the story. Samson, she doesn't go looking for Samson, she's not out to tempt or seduce Samson. Samson sees her and like everything else in Samson's life when he sees something he wants he just takes it he doesn't inquire of the Lord he doesn't ask if it's right he doesn't get anybody to help him make a decision Samson just does Samson just is like I'm mad, I'm angry I'm going to beat some people I'm hungry, I'm going to eat I see someone I like, I'm going to go be with that person so he seeks out Delilah and in Delilah he finally finds a woman he meets his match, if you know what I'm talking about she's beautiful She's intelligent, she knows how to get into him to understand what he's about. And she's a Philistine, and she's loyal to her people. So the leaders of Philistine, they have seven leaders, seven kings, they come to her and they say, we're each going to give you 1100 shekels of silver. They were gonna pay her well. She was about to not only be beautiful and intelligent, but be rich and be a national hero. You see, if this story was told from the Philistines' point of view, Delilah would be the heroine. She wouldn't think about that for a minute. If it was told from her point of view, she would be the one person out of the thousands that tried that could bring Samson and therefore their enemies, the Israelites, down. So the story in the Bible is just one of those scenes, you know, that we think about. And she tries three different times before she figures out the secret of his strength. So, you know, she's with Samson, she understands who he is, she understands what kind of man she is, she understands what she must do for her country. And so she says, hey, Samson, you've got to tell me the secret of your strength. And Samson, you know, he likes to play around, right? He's the man that likes riddles, he's the man that likes bets. he's the man that thinks he can do whatever he wants. So he's going to play with her a little bit, he's going to say, hey, listen, you know, the secret of my strength is, you know, the bow and arrows, the bows, if you take seven bow strings that have never been used, and you tie me up, then I'll be weak. So she does, while he's asleep, she ties him up with seven bowstrings. She's got dudes hiding in the bedroom waiting to come out. She says, Samson, wake up! The Philistines are here! And he jumps up and he breaks the bowstrings. Oh, Samson! And then she's like, "Oh, you don't love me, you're just messing with me, Samson, come on. And she says, how can you do this to me? And she pleads with him, and he's like, all right, all right, I'll tell you. If you use brand new ropes, ropes that have never been used, you tie me up, I'll be weak. So the next night, she gets some new ropes, she him up while he's asleep. She has people waiting in the room. She says, Samson, wake up. They're here. They're going to get you. He jumps up. He snatches the new ropes. He's all strong and everything. And the dude's hiding. there like, man, this is not going to work. <laughs> what are you doing to us, Delilah? And she's like, Samson, what are you doing to me? I can't believe you're doing this to me. You've got to tell me what is the secret of your strength. And he's like, all right, right, I'll tell you. And he gets a little closer to the truth, but not all the way there yet. He's like, my hair. And it says he had seven braids. Isn't that a cool picture? of I don't know if that you can see braids in that. But anyhow, he had seven, so his hair's never been cut his whole life. And he's got these seven long braids. He said, here's what you do. Take my braids while I'm asleep, all right? And weave them into this, this loom that makes fabric. And like, get it tight in there so it's like you're making a rug out of my hair. And get my hair stuck in that loom, and then I'll be weak and you'll know, be able to do it. So, while he's asleep, Anybody else thinking Samson must be a heavy sleeper right this way? Like, <laughs> That's what I'm thinking, man. I'm thinking, I don't know if I can sleep through all of that. I don't know. Able to, but Samson must have slept really deep. Like when that dude was asleep, he was asleep. Ain't nothing waking him up except the lilac yelling in his ear. The Philistines are here. But they take his hair and they're weaving it into this womb that she has in the room, and it's all tied in there. And, and it says they put like this pin in it to hold him in. And she goes, Samson, the Philistines are here, wake up! And he wakes up and he breaks free and breaks the loom, and everything. You know, he's strong and Delilah says, Samson, this is it. You don't really love me. If you love me, you'll trust me. You'll trust me with your deepest secrets. You'll trust me with everything. And she's beautiful. She's intelligent. She's wise. And Samson is in love with her. He says, okay, I'll tell you. No one's ever cut my hair, ever. If you take a razor to my head, I will lose all my strength. So she gets him to fall asleep on her lap, the Bible says. Just in that place of seemingly comfort and safety. And she calls the leaders of Philistines. She said, I've got it this time. Come with your money. She makes sure they're there with the money. She makes sure the other Philistines are in her room ready to get it. She puts him to sleep on her lap. She takes a razor. And one by one, she cuts off those seven brains. And when she's done, she lays those brains to the side. She says, Samson, wake up. The Philistines are here. And it says that Samson woke up thinking, I'm just going to get up like I did before, not realizing that God had left him. And when he gets up, he finds he has no strength. And the Philistines now releasing all of their anger against him, take him, gouge his eyes out, put him in prison put him at a wheel, to chained to a wheel to grind the grain, like he's now a donkey himself. And that's where Sam spins up, weak, blind, and treated like an animal. The Lord had left him. But the story says his hair began to grow back. But his hair began to grow back. And as it grows, little by little, his strength begins to grow. And every once in a while, the Philistines would bring him out when they were having a party to celebrate their God. And one time they were worshipping the God Dagon. That's who they worshipped. And Dagon was really a demon who was proposing as a God. And they worshipped him. They had 3,000 people gathered in his temple. And they had all the leaders, all the seven kings of Philistine were there. And and they were all celebrating. They said, bring out Samson. They wanted him to perform for them do tricks for them. They treated him like a circus animal. And they brought him out. And they were all gathered and they're making fun of him. And on top of that, they're saying, our God is better than his God. Our demon God, Dagon, that we worship, that we worship with all this stuff. He's better than the God of Israel, Yahweh, the one true God. Who is that God? For you see, back in that time, it wasn't just about your tribe versus their tribe, your nation versus their nation. Back in that day, it was about your gods versus their gods. And if you wanted to take something to the highest level, that's what you would do. You would be saying, what's happening now proves that Dagon is really more powerful, stronger than the God of Samson. Well, what do you think the real God is going to do when he gets challenged like that? So Samson prays a little prayer. He says, God, give me strength one more time. And he tells the people to put them next to the pillars and hold up the temple so he can feel them. And the party was going on. And they said, it even says in the Bible, there was a rooftop party. There, was, there were hundreds of people on the roof. And Samson pushes on those pillars. He says, Let me die for these places whole temple comes crumbling down and 3,000 people die, including all of the leaders of the Philistines. They die. And in doing that, Samson accomplishes a victory over the enemies of Israel. Interesting story, isn't it? People say the Bible's boring. I say it's because you haven't read it. (laughs) I mean, there's a lot of violence and sex and strange things going on in the Bible, right? Let's be honest, there's some things about that story that I don't understand, that don't sit right with me, that I question, right? I question some things about that story. And and I do so because it's so easy for us to just kind of make something into what we want it to be, right? We want Samson to be this hero, right? we want our heroes to be good, don't we? We want our heroes to be good. But what we learn in this life is that a lot of times our heroes come with broken hands. That our heroes are not perfect people in real life, right? Oh, we try to make them perfect, right? In the comic books or in the stories or in our minds, we paint a picture of someone because we want our heroes to be good. But even in those stories, we know that the more powerful someone is, the more dangerous it is, right? Because there's something of evil that lurks in every heart, even if you're a superhero. My wife and I had this little discussion, if I could take a side journey, because we like to watch Marvel movies, right? The superhero movies, and thank you, amen, in the front row, and uh, we like all the know, and and I tell her, you know, the Hulk, the the strongest guy, he's not always good. And that just bothered my wife. She's like, but I want him to be good. (laughs) I want him to be a hero. I'm like, yeah, but there's something about him that's a little dangerous, and he's a little unsettled. And that's exactly the way I feel about Samson. From the time I was a kid, I wanted Samson to be good. I wanted him to have these long braids and this buff body and be this strong warrior who did everything right. But as I get older and I understand the story, I realize he's not perfect. He is not perfect. There's a lot of things about him that you don't want to imitate. Right? But God uses imperfect people. And that's why it's in the Bible. That's one of the reasons I believe the Bible's not made up. Because if I'm going to make up something, I'm not going to put things in there that are hard to understand. I'm not going to put in someone's weaknesses. If I'm going to make something up, I'm going to paint a picture of everything being perfect so that I can inspire people. And people say, wait a minute, that's a little too perfect. That can't be true. It's not perfect people that are in the Bible. It's not perfect people that are leading the Bible. For instance, he should have been leading his people, but he's always acting on his own. He should have been rallying those men of Judah to help him. But instead, he's just like, I don't want to have anything to do with you. Let me do it on my own. And the thing was, he could do a lot of things on his own. But where did he he end up? Captured on his own. Imprisoned on his own. Dying on his own. Among his enemies. Instead of his friends and family. And at the end of the story, it says his family had to come and get him. And bring him home. Oh my God. I mean, have felt sometimes the person we want to bring home doesn't come home until they die. That's sad. There's a tragedy in this story. There's a tragedy in what happened. Because God will still accomplish his purpose, right? God gave Samson the strength. God wanted to use Samson, But Samson did a lot of things on his own. Samson did things that we may not agree with. Samson did things that we don't understand. And in the end, what Samson did is he forgot that his strength came from God. And what he did was he he lost his strength because he thought it was him. He thought it came from him. He thought he could do it all himself. And there's a danger, friends, when we think that we can do it all ourselves. When we bought into that myth, that lie of that strong person that could do everything by themselves, even the strongest person that ever lived. And none of you, as hard as you work out, and I can tell some of you work out harder than others, none of you will ever be able to match this personal strength of Samson. But even Samson lost his strength when he forgot there was God who gave it to him. When he began to look to things outside of his we lived it, outside of his faith, outside of his family. When he put his trust in himself and when he put his trust in Delilah and Delilah worshipped a demon God and Delilah was loyal to her country and the point is you've got to be loyal to somebody you've got to serve somebody and there were times when Samson served God but there were times when he served himself and at the end of his life he finally realized that I am nothing without God's strength I am nothing without God's strength And God will use imperfect people to accomplish his perfect plan. All of our heroes have broken halos. All of them have flaws. None of them are perfect. You know, Samson fought a lot of battles, didn't he? But what about the battle today? I want to be very clear in sharing this story with you that I believe we live in a different time than Batman. It's not the same as it was. You know, God is. Though they were fighting for their very existence and survival in a world that we can't even begin to understand because it, 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 it was very different from where we are today. But we still have battles, don't we? So we take this story and we try to use it to apply to our lives today. But I want to state this very clearly, and I really, really struggle with this. I do not believe that this, you can use this story or any story in the Bible to promote violence. I don't believe you can Because if anything, I see how the violence just led to more violence, to more violence, and it didn't end up in a great place. But I also believe that whatever God was doing, the battles that God was engaged in in that day, is not the same, exactly the same as it is today. Because when Jesus came, some things changed. And they changed for real. And one of them was this. When he came, Israel was still under a foreign power. They were still under the Roman rule. And they wanted someone like Samson to come. And they wanted someone like Samson to beat up the Romans. And they wanted that kind of hero to come. And they wanted that kind of leader to come. But Jesus came and He said, things are going to be different. Because you need to understand that the battle you've been fighting outside is smaller than the battle that's going on inside your heart. There's a battle inside your heart much more serious than any battle you face on the outside. And Jesus said, listen, your enemies, the real enemy is the sin that exists in your heart. The real enemy is the devil. When Jesus came, he taught us that our battle is no longer against flesh and blood, against lions and against Philistines, but our battle is against principalities and powers and forces of darkness in spiritual places That Satan and his demons and evil and the sin that lives in our hearts and the death that we all must face, those are the enemies that Jesus came and said, let me defeat those enemies. Hallelujah. 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 Let me defeat sin in your life. Because how do you know that the battle that you struggle with, with sin in your own life, is stronger than any battle that you might have to face outside of yourself? Amen? How many of you know that? I'm not saying the battles outside are not tough because they are. And if you've ever had to be in a fight, it's tough. But what about the battle inside your heart right now? Will you follow God? Will you submit to Him? Or will you serve yourself? What about that battle you have right now against addiction? What about that battle you have right now trying to be able to forgive somebody? What about that battle you have right now to see yourself the way that God sees you when everybody else is telling you something different and the voices are the enemies that are coming against you? What about that battle to stand up and say, No, I belong to God and He loves me. And my story will not be written by people outside of me. Hallelujah. Am I talking to anybody today? Does anybody need to know your story is not being written by other people? Story is being written by God. Are you hearing me this morning? Your story, it's not that person that's been talking about you. It's not those people that have been talking to you that are writing your story. Your story is being written by God. God is the author of your story. I have one simple question for you today, one and one only. Where does your strength come from? Where does your strength come from? Because while I don't understand everything about the story of Samson, I understand this. God gave him the strength that he had. And when he forgot that, he lost his strength. And when he remembered it, God strengthened him again. And I believe that principle is still true today. That whatever strength we have, physical strength, beauty, intelligence, ability, ability, Persuasion, whatever strength we have is given to us by God. Now we will be held accountable for how we use the strength that He gives us. But our strength, our own strength is weak. It's God's strength that's stronger than anything that we'll face in our lives. Stronger than anything. It's the only thing I know that's helped us get through what we got to get through. I know people say faith and and belief and religion is a crutch and I get angry when I hear that because people are trying to do it on their own and you know how silly someone looks when they're weak they're like I'm fine I can do it myself yeah but you're injured it don't matter I'm alright but you're injured and you need to I'm okay and you try to do it yourself let me carry that attitude with us just let me do it myself why do we do that why do we try to do it ourselves when God says, I will give you the strength that you need? I will give you more than enough strength. My strength is stronger than your strength. My strength will give you your strength. Where is your strength today, friends? Would you put your strength and your trust in God today? King David said it like this, you are my strength. I sing praise to you. You, O God, are my fortress. My God, oh whom I can lie. How many of you believe that this morning? Let me hear. Somebody believe that this morning? I'm proclaiming it. Especially to those of you that have a hard time believing that. I understand it's not easy. Even belief is a struggle, isn't it? Even having faith in God is a struggle. But I want to tell you this morning, with all the strength that I have in me, which I admit is not very much right now. But God, give me the strength to tell you you can rely on God and no one else. And you can find strength in God and no one else. Because God will give you strength to face and to overcome whatever it is that you need to face and that you need to overcome.